We're back to talk about the second half of the Indie Ball season, each of the three leagues. You don't want to miss this on this week's episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we are back again. Episode number 177 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's Will. And uh, we have independent league baseball to talk about. Well, this is the Indie Ball Report, and we do talk about uh, independent league baseball, and there are plenty of independent league baseball to talk about. Uh, Finally, we're getting into the home stretch of the regular season in in all three leagues, and uh, yeah, certainly some teams in uh, a lot of the leagues that are starting to get hot and making things interesting. Uh, I know uh, in the Frontier League specifically, I think that's the case as well, so uh, certainly a lot to talk about. Absolutely there. I mean, there, there's there been some teams starting to separate themselves and have essentially done all but clinch a playoff spot. And then there's other teams here that are really kind of making that last desperate push for the postseason. So we are we're looking forward to talking about all of it this week. So I guess we'll kick it off in the Frontier League, who at last we had talked about. They were in the middle of their All-Star game. They had just finished their All-Star game, and they are about to start that second half officially. This week, I came very close to picking up one of the jerseys from that All-Star game, but someone wound up bidding me up to about $85, and that was my kind of breaking point on it. So, at the very least, I managed to bid them up to 85 as well. So, I didn't get the jersey, but Charity did get like an extra 60 bucks, so that's a positive. But love that. Yeah. Uh, I wonder. I, I think the real question is how how much higher would that other person be willing to go? Yeah, I, like I was really tempted to throw ninety in there, but I was like, I don't want to pay ninety for this. And what's a real pain is I wanted one of the ones that said Nork on the front of it, and the other Nork ones all sold for under twenty. So I should have went after them. Wow. But I wanted that Danny Rachinsky jersey, so <laughs> that's on me. Anywho, so in. The actual baseball of the Frontier League. It appears as though Quebec has cooled down a little bit, six and four in their last ten, but they still are head and shoulders ahead of the rest of the league. They are uh, one of two teams with forty wins. The other team is, of course, the team they're playing this weekend in the Red Hot Washington Wild. Things we'll talk about the West in a little bit. Looking at the East, still. Uh, Three Rivers has managed to throw themselves back into the middle of a playoff hunt, just a mere game out of that last uh, playoff spot. Some uh, Sussex currently occupies that, and then Ottawa is, I don't want to say safely in that second spot, but they're pretty firmly in a playoff position. We have some other activity across the board, but it's a lot of just 6-4, and four, keeping it up around 500 for the other three teams uh, that are in contention here, of course, those being Tri-City, New York, and New Jersey, and then the Grays won last night as well. So that's a huge positive uh, to their 1-9 in their last 10, four wins on the season. They are steaming forward for that five-win mark. Right, 4-60 on the season. It wasn't even close. And so with the with the Empire State Grays on a one-game winning streak, maybe we reach a point uh, in, the, in, in the episode where we just shame the team that it, it definitely shaming Windy City is definitely on the table. They're now the worst team in the West, and if I'm not mistaken, they are in fact the the worst non-traveling team in the league at 24 and 39, yeah. uh, four losses in a row, two and eight in their last ten. Now a four-game losing streak, 20 and a half out of first place, and about 
oh, give or take nine games, nine and a half games out of uh, that final wild card spot, that final playoff spot. So they, I think they're about ready to pack it in, seeing as they're the lone team along with the Grays that are under a 400 winning percentage on the year. That's that's not great. And if I'm not mistaken, Windy City is one of those teams that we kind of said, oh, maybe they'll be a good team. They'll be a team that could be a contender. But because there's not a lot of playoff spots, they probably won't get it. But they do look like they could be a, uh, a factor. And that has proven to not be exactly correct so far this year. Uh, they're middling in mediocrity uh, as we speak for them. But keeping it more focused on that uh, on that whole Eastern division there, it, the last kind of couple of spots here, that two and three spot, I think are really still up for grabs. Quebec's obviously going to win that division but when we look at Ottawa they're not exactly hot as of late they've been going through a lot more peaks and valleys as it has been over the last uh, few weeks really and you have a Sussex team that's been fairly consistent I don't think at any point this year they've really been overwhelmingly dominant but they have had stretches where they played very good baseball they really have kind of avoided having these really terrible stretches as well. That's certainly a positive for them. Uh, and then with Three Rivers coming up being very hot as of late now, maybe this is just they, they're hitting their one good stride of the year. And then after this, they'll die back down and someone else will kind of jump up there. Maybe fourth place is their peak spot, their peak pole position as it has been. Uh, but eight and two as of late, they are coming through. They've been very hot after the All-Star break. Valley Cats also have been very good as of recent, uh, so maybe they're mounting a bit of a charge. They're only a game behind, only two games out of a playoff spot. And really, I'd say even New York's still in it, seeing as they're only a half game behind Tri-City, so they're still in that as well. New Jersey's got a bit of a mountain to climb. They're five and a half out of that playoff spot, but they're still not totally out of it. It just seems like there's too much traffic ahead of them to really get to that playoff position. But with that said... I do certainly think the possibility of having three Canadian teams in the East in the postseason this year is uh, on the table. Yeah, it's definitely on the table. And on the three rivers note, I think that this could be their one big charge and perhaps not exactly a team that's that's going to stick around uh, because the the storm is coming for, for them schedule-wise. I mean, beginning of August, they start at New York. Then they go at Quebec, at Sussex, at New York. So, I mean, they, they literally go on the road for the first half of August. And that is really tough. Uh, that is really, really hard. So, I mean, how many, and including this, this road trip that they're even starting with Joliet right now that they kicked off, uh, with a win last night. Uh, so, and a lot of those, a lot of those wins, uh, that they're starting to, that they were starting to get. Yeah, they did take the series, or excuse me, they did, they did split a series, uh, with Ottawa. Uh, however, after that, you got, uh, you had a sweep of Empire State. They did lose the series to the Washington Wild Things. Then they swept the Windy City Thunderbolts. So the two last place teams, which you have to beat up on, uh, and they did. So they certainly deserve credit for that. But I think for Three Rivers, just when I look with this mammoth road trip ahead, I mean, how many games is this road trip? Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen game road trip that Three Rivers is only in game two of, and not just a, a, a road trip against against some of the bottom tier teams. I mean, these are the these are the cream of the crop 
uh, in specifically in their division. And, uh, and not that's not to say that they can't go 500, say, or maybe even a touch a touch over and stay right in this. I mean, it's just a really tough ask uh, when when they're playing. When you look at their schedule ahead, they're playing really good baseball right now. But a lot of that, I think, is resulted in beating up on some of the worst teams in the Frontier League, which again you have to do. So they deserve credit for that. But uh, I think that given looking at their upcoming schedule, I don't know how sustainable that this that this uh, hot run is uh, for Three Rivers. I got to agree with that, too. It also is when you look at the more game-by-game basis. You did mention that these are good teams. In the case of New York, though, I would say they're just more of a team that understands that their season's kind of getting to the point where it's on the line. This is the last stretch. It is one month left before everything gets wrapped up, really. There's a handful of games in September, but, I mean, at that point, your season's already been kind of either made or are not so they understand that they have to win these games now quebec and sussex are going to be very difficult and also it doesn't help them that their travel days are new york to uh, quebec after a seven o'clock game so that's a long trip after a game and then having one the following night too it's a hard 24-hour turnaround the only thing that's kind of nice is that then once they're done with quebec they're able to go right back down to Sussex County. They have a full day rest there, and then they go Sussex to New York. So that's not really much of a road trip at all. You could probably stay at the same hotel if you really want to get down to it. So that's an easy enough one. And then you have a travel day going from New York back home to uh, uh, Three Rivers there. And then they're at home for essentially the rest of the season. They have one more road trip against Ottawa at the very end of August, first uh, day of September. So that's not too, too bad. But yeah, at that point... The road trip, I, I would agree, is kind of their make-or-break moment. And even when you look at the rest of their schedule, really only the series against New Jersey, I would say, is at least at this point an, a win-expected series. So you beat up on bad teams, like you said. It's kind of expected there. I would say out of all of them, I'm kind of interested in what Tri-City does the most. We saw them make a real big push last year. It kind of feels like a one-for-one type season for them because you had a team that didn't start off very hot, had a big roster turnover, and now is starting to find themselves off after the All-Star break. And again, is desperately looking to try and get into a playoff spot here. Now, of course, I'm just looking at their schedule right now, and that's going to play a big factor in in uh, their success as you know it does for all teams here. But they have two more against Evansville, then Ottawa, then New Jersey, then Quebec, then Empire State. Then just a little two-game set against Ottawa, and then, you know, we pretty much know what's going from there. They do have the benefit of ending the season with Empire State, so that's obviously a a huge plus there. But I do think they have probably the best opportunity, if for no other reason, that I just kind of believe in that team more than the other four that they're, or other three really, they're contending uh, for that final playoff spot at the moment. Uh, I do still think that Sussex County... It's probably the best overall team among the four or five that are in this division still contending for a spot. But I wouldn't necessarily say that they're the favorite right now. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that they're the favorite, but I, I think Tri-City is probably the one uh, that is going to be right up there, I think, ultimately, uh, with Sussex County. I think the interesting point about Tri-City 
uh, when you look at uh, some of their some of their home road splits, is uh, is, is also something that is uh, worth that's worthy of note. And for a team that's just about four games over five hundred, they're a twenty three and twelve team at home, while eleven and eighteen on the road. So uh, I think that uh, I think that is um, I think that's certainly notable. Uh, I think in the month of August, uh, you're right when there's a lot of divisional games coming up. But I do think finishing with Empire State, they have six games left against Empire State. I think that's uh, that's certainly notable when talking about uh, when talking about Tri City. Uh, I think it will be Tri City and Sussex uh, down the stretch, kind of battling it out uh, for that spot. I think we already talked about Three Rivers, and uh, even though the Boulders are playing some decent baseball of late as well, you know, I mean, just looking at kind of recent history with them. You don't know how much they're, they're really going to stick in in playoff contention, uh, but I think that uh, it. I mean, certainly anything is possible, uh, but I think Sussex and Tri City have the two best rosters out of this group, um, and I think <clears throat> I think you'll see that start to uh, kind of prove its prove itself uh, down the stretch, but. I, it, it will be an exciting race between uh, between these. I mean, right now, uh, I mean, as we speak, we got we got those four teams: Sussex, Sussex County, Three Rivers, Tri City, and the New York Boulders uh, that are within two and a half games of each other. Uh, so that makes for a fun race for a last uh, for a last spot uh, in the Frontier League playoffs. So I think is that's going to be one of the big race, uh, probably the big race to watch. Uh, as we come down the stretch uh, in the month of August and the handful of games in September, as you mentioned, Nick, because you now the other division, not exactly, it does not have that same type of drama. Yeah, now the other division, I mean, we, I, I suppose there is a, a couple of teams that are really contending, but they're in the West, it's pretty well and set. And the only thing I want to add quickly to the Sussex County point, which is probably the reason why they're, they're still, if we're going off of scheduling, and past results so far, which is kind of how you got to do it. They probably are your favorite to get that spot. They still have two more against Florence tonight and tomorrow. Then a set against Empire State. Ottawa, of course, isn't, isn't an easy game. Neither is uh, Three Rivers. But then New Jersey for three, Empire State for three, New York for three, then back for Empire State for another three. Keep in mind, that's about a nine-game homestand for them. They go to Quebec, then they go to Three Rivers, and then they finish with New Jersey at home. There's a lot of games on there that they could very well take, and a lot of those takeable games are also at home. So that definitely helps you, especially when you're a team like the Miners that has played very well at home. 500 baseball on the road, but 20 and 12 at home there, and they're 23 and 19 against their own division. And uh, it just seems to me like that's a really nice setup for them to have to close out the year. But yeah, in the West, it's uh, it's not exactly as close. No, not really. And I think that, uh, I think Schaumburg has done a good job, uh, kind of separating themselves from, from the pack because, I mean, for most of the season, it's been Washington on top, Evansville in second, and then, uh, kind of a cluster at the bottom of, of mediocre to below average teams. Uh, I think right now, uh, the only ones who are truly out of it are Windy City and Florence. Gateway, the way they're playing lately, I mean, they're two and eight in their last 10. They're kind of teetering towards that as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think Schomburg, uh, with a, it's currently a three game lead for that third spot over Joliet and Lake Erie. I mean, they're certainly in the driver's seat, uh, for sure. 
Um, and I don't know. I think that I think that they're probably they're they're probably the favorite to to hold that a third spot. I think they have uh, the better roster. I think they have a better roster than Juliet and Lake Erie as well. I think that'll hold true. Uh, but I think, and not to say it's over with three games or anything, but uh, I think that uh, Schaumburg's definitely in a very good position for that third spot. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Windy City is. Uh, they haven't really done anything to improve their lot at all. They've just kind of gotten worse. And like we said it's at the very beginning of this, losing to Empire State is never a good sign for the state of your team, especially when only uh, three other teams have done that this year. So that's not exactly great news for you there. Uh, Florence, they just kind of dug themselves into a hole to begin the year. 7-3 and three as of late, so at least they're playing some more respectable baseball, but nine games under five hundred. And 17 and a half back of first with six and a half out of a playoff spot with another three teams you'd have to leapfrog just to be that last team out, uh, or first team out rather. Uh, it would, uh, it just is too much to do here. Gateway's by far been my most disappointing team. I had such high expectations for them coming into the year. I genuinely thought they'd be at the top of this division, really fighting for a playoff spot, really kind of. Well established. I thought they'd basically be what Ottawa was, if not what Quebec has been. I really had high hopes for them, but that just has not really worked out. And as of late, it's just gotten kind of worse uh, somehow. Lake Erie looks better, but yeah, I mean, overall, you look across the board, uh, it just is not good. It, it, really, anywhere here. Schaumburg probably does deserve it the most because they are one of three 500 teams in that division. So. I mean, I don't think it really matters which one gets this spot. Playing Evansville, it's kind of just... I, I understand Evansville has not been good as of late, 3 and 7. They've struggled against some of the more Eastern Division opponents as of late. I think that's fair to say. But there's still 9 games above 500. They're still a quality ball club. And they're still pretty well safe for a playoff position. So I would say they're pretty solidly in the postseason. They're probably going to make the second round. And I still... You just look across the board, Washington seems to be the best team in this division by far, and probably either the second or third best team in the league, as they they handled Quebec last night. Obviously, there's still two more games in that series, but that's an interesting series to watch, just kind of as a, a gauge, I guess, between where each of these two divisions are. Yeah, I think Washington is, is head and shoulders above uh, everyone else in the West, the same way Quebec uh, really is in the East, uh, and you know, with the baseball and uh, any sort of playoffs in baseball are kind of a crapshoot. So, uh, anything can happen. Uh, but you would have to think that Quebec and Washington is certainly <clears throat> the favorite to be, uh, that championship series matchup. And man, would that be awesome. And as you mentioned, if we're kind of getting a, a preview of that this weekend, so only one game into it, but we'll see how that shakes out in that series, uh, in, in Pennsylvania, uh, with, uh, with Washington taking that first uh, that first game of that series as well, but I, I think that uh, to go off your gateway point as well, uh, I think I mean they're a team that we, I think we both had high hopes for, uh, but they've kind of been just, they 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 looked really good on paper, they looked really strong on paper, kind of middled around 500 uh, for a lot of the season, uh, but I mean, lately they're maybe, maybe a couple games over 500 for a lot of the season, mm -hmm. but I mean, it is just, it's been really, really rough for them lately. And, uh, I think that, uh, it, it's hard to, it's hard to pin it really on 
uh, pitching or, uh, or defense. But I mean, I mean, when you look at this past week, because uh, it's kind of in both in a lot of senses. I mean, in the, in their, uh, in the, uh, Sussex County series, uh, earlier this week, uh, they had an 11 to three loss, a two to one loss. And then after they were able to get a win. And then even when their offense explodes, I mean, I, I thought, I thought football doesn't start until the second week of the, the second week of September because they lost a one possession game to the New York Boulder 17 to 13. So I, I think that it, Gateway's roster really just has disappointed. It looks good and it shows. I mean, rosters can look good on paper all you want, but uh, sometimes they're very different when it when it comes out to actually playing games. And that's unfortunately been the case. And sometimes it could be a good way. Sometimes it could be a bad way. And for uh, for for Gateway, uh, it's certainly been a bad way. So uh, they've they've definitely been really disappointing uh, this year. And only f- they're they're still four out, so it's not totally over, but uh, definitely trending in that direction. Absolutely, the seven game losing streak as of recent really kind of put them in the hole. And I mean, it's looking like it could extend more. Obviously, they still have two more against New York, but that's a series that they could easily either win or split at the very least. But then they have six games all on the road between Washington and and then Evansville. So that's not exactly how you want to start out the week. And then it's not even like you get much of a reprieve because you have a Lake Erie team that's really kind of battling for that last postseason spot. They understand that they're kind of needing to make their move now because they're running out of time very quickly. And then it's back again to host uh, Washington for even more and then from there it starts to lighten up a bit it's Joliet it's Windy City it's Florence then Schaumburg then it's Windy City and then Lake Erie again so there are winnable games at the end of August but they really don't have exactly the easiest uh, 12-15 game stretch here and really what I think is I mean we could dive in uh, kind of I guess towards the end of the year in the offseason we kind of dig through these teams here but this is just such a feast or famine team it's really what it looks like to me because you have winning streaks which are like three or four games long but then you go on these five or six game losing streaks and in baseball that just really will not work you can't go and win you know what is it uh, six of seven and then lose seven in a row it just completely undoes everything and that's been the case for the whole year for them they need more consistency you need to kind of go that two for one way of doing things at the very least one and a half for one to have a chance here and they really don't seem to be able to do that it just seems like whatever they're doing kind of just spirals and there's been more losing than there has been of winning and that's going to be a killer at the end of the day but ultimately in in the west as a whole just to wrap up the frontier league for the week and it'll be kind of interesting to see if we can have one of these hovering around 500 teams kind of shoot ahead really make noise really make a move and try and secure that final spot, or if we're going to have a bunch of teams that all just kind of stay where they're at, kind of hover around 500, and then leave this up to the final week of the season, it's kind of in the same... The West is almost like how I describe the NFC East in football, where it's like, there's no really great team, but that's what makes it competitive, because they're all equally as bad. It kind of feels like that in that middle section of the league. Whereas in the East... It's more like how the, uh, say, the NFC West normally is, where it's like, okay, we have three teams that are really solid, and even the fourth team isn't normally that bad. So it's kind of like that. Uh, you have the polar opposites there. They're both competitive, but they're competitive for different reasons. Yeah, exactly. I think, I, I think, that, I think that's a good way to put it. And I think that, um, I mean, right now you have 
I think your favorites. I think the, I think the big race to watch is going to be for that th- that third spot in the East Division. Uh, but I think I agree. I think in the in the West, it's kind of the the middling uh mediocrity and you know it's a one game playoff for whoever comes out of it even if it's, assuming it's Schaumburg against uh against Evansville at the end of the day or uh so we'll we'll have to see how that shakes out but i think that uh i think that's a good way to put it it's just a, a lot of a lot of mediocre teams but you know what at least it's not like the American Association where you have two game teams who are like 10 to 12 games under 500 making the postseason so I think I think that's a plus. I'd rather have mediocre teams instead of bad teams in the postseason. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think that's I think the ultimately the uh, the race for that third spot in the East with with those four teams is going to be the one that's going to be the big one to watch down the stretch. Absolutely. And just one last note on the frontier league before we go to the American Association is low key. Watch the home run record. It's at thirty six. And right now, the league leader's at 23 with another player at 22. I believe it's Josh Rewalt with 23 from New Jersey, and then Dennis Phipps with 22 from Tri-City. Both of those guys with a full uh, month left, plus an extra four games. So, was it about 30 or so games remaining in the season? It's possible. You only need, what, 13 to tie and then 14 to break it. So, one every other day, it's doable, especially for home run hitters. And particularly in the case of both of those two guys who have trips left to uh, more hitter-friendly ballparks, too. So something to watch. Just keep an eye on it. We'll probably spotlight it in a week or two once we know if it's going to happen, has a chance to happen, or has no chance anymore. Yeah, I mean, we saw we saw the triples record fall in, uh, in, in short order, and maybe the home run won't be next. So we'll, we'll have to see as the season winds down. Yep, absolutely. So going over to those... Uh, Sub-500 teams making the postseason in the American Association. Uh, it's been pretty much as expected. Milwaukee has turned themselves around after we kind of went in on them. I'm not sure if it was last week or the week before. Uh, it's been about 10 days since we recorded last, so it's kind of hard to keep track of everything uh, sometimes. But they have gotten above 500. They're 7-3 and three on a three-game winning streak. Solidly in that second place uh, in the East currently for them. Uh, Kane County is sub 500, but in the postseason, and Cleburne has managed to shoot up and take a playoff spot at 27 and 39. Uh, so good for them, I guess. Gary and Lake County, or Lake Country rather, are uh, both not doing great at sub 400 winning percentage record, so we won't even bother really discussing them. Over on the flip side in the West, uh, both the Sioux are. Uh, out of the postseason, both of them uh, at 28 and then 24 wins, respectively. Sioux City on top of that. Uh, they have been better as of late, but still really aren't, you know, killing the game. Lincoln sub 500, but in the postseason currently. And then Winnipeg being a surprising team, 8 and 2 in their last 10, looking very solid. Uh, they are firmly in that third place spot. I'm about ready to kind of say they're firmly a playoff team as they approach that 600 winning percentage at 10 games above 500. And then up at the top of that division, it's still a, kind of a back and forth rough week for Fargo. They've been 500 baseballs recent. Meanwhile, uh, the Monarchs have taken advantage of a favorable schedule, mainly playing uh, Sioux Falls recently and also beating up on some other teams as well to win five in a row and take over first place in that division. But again, it feels as though there are 
three kind of A tier teams, two or three B tier teams, and then just a bunch of D tier teams after that. Just no one even in the C tier, just straight to D tier. Yeah, and that, that's what you're going to get when you have, you know, uh, four of six teams in a division making the postseason. Um, but I think, uh, I think as far as, I think when I'm looking at the East, you, you're, we're finally starting to maybe see Milwaukee play like the team that they're capable, uh, that, that they're capable of, of being. So I think that's something interesting to watch because, I mean, Milwaukee could be that team that is, um, that is, or they definitely are the main challenger to, to the Chicago Dogs. And in a playoff series, uh, anything could happen. But I think that um, Milwaukee, really for the first time all season, is uh, they're, they're finally playing like the team uh, that they were kind of expected. Nothing that crazy in that sense. But they won three straight, seven and three in their last ten. But I think that it's really that, that last spot, I think, Milwaukee and Kane County, I feel pretty good about, again, a lot could change, but I think that Milwaukee ultimately will end up as the two, and Kane County will end up as the three. And I guess we'll see what happens between Cleburne and Gary, but honestly, it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, and then you also mentioned in the West, I mean, Kansas City uh, is, is red hot right now. I mean, they're taking care of the teams that they're supposed to take care of. Cause them to pass Fargo-Moorhead, um, in the division, but uh, of course, and Winnipeg as as well. They've probably been that third team uh, in the West Division uh, for for most of the season. That, that they've been that third place team, uh, but they've really established themselves as that now. So, I, I, and they're playing really good baseball. And I think uh, the point for them isn't so much just standings position, just showing that they that it's not just Kansas City and Fargo Moorhead at the top that Winnipeg can compete with those teams as well. So I think if Winnipeg can do that, I think you have a, a case for a much more interesting uh, playoffs in the West Division, uh, especially where a team who uh, a team like Kansas City or Fargo Moorhead, whoever ends up uh, on the losing end of uh, losing end of the stick, uh, is going to be a team uh, that that knows that they can't just walk through Winnipeg and get to the championship series between those two teams. Yeah, no, that I would agree with that. As far as Milwaukee goes too, they're hitting now as a team. They're hitting over 300 over the last week. Pitching wise, it's still surprisingly not very good, even though they brought in uh, Peyton Gray to, to kind of help the cause here. Uh, pitching is, you know, it's getting better. I should actually say I, I didn't hit the last seven for that. They're, they do have a sub two and a half ERA as of late. So that's certainly a positive for them. They're starting to get back on track there. They're getting starts from guys they need to get starts from that are quality. Uh, but overall, back to the point on Winnipeg there being not a team that's going to just kind of roll over, I, I would agree with that. I think winning that West Division really does mean more, and I would totally agree with you with that point. If for nothing else, too, because you have one team that, of the two, obviously being Kansas City and Fargo, that they're kind of trending in opposite directions. Kansas City's going up, Fargo's going, I don't want to say down, but they're staying kind of stagnate. And a Winnipeg team that's going up, is certainly not the kind of team you want to play if you're a team that's kind of stagnate. And more than that, though, you'd rather get a team that's sub-500 in round one than you would get a team that is uh, not at all uh, sub-500 and, in fact, is 10 games above 500. And I'd almost feel like, especially with this kind of pick-your-opponent jazz, 
Uh, if we could just take, like, the top eight teams instead. Like, could we just do that? I don't know how much that's really going to change. Obviously, we still get the 330-win teams on the one side, the 430-wins on the other. And really, all that would change is Sioux City would be in instead of Cleburne. Who knows? This time next month, we could be saying, oh, well, it, it doesn't really matter. Cleburne jumped ahead, and it's the same teams no matter what. But it just feels like we're going to do pick your opponent. Why limit it to interdivision, right? We might as well just go for it and be like, all right, keep picking until we wind up with two teams left standing. Uh, but regardless, yeah, it is a... Uh, it's very much a half and half, not league in the American Association. And at this point, we can kind of, it doesn't really matter who gets the four spots because we all just kind of know they, they're just going to get their brains beaten by the one seed anyway. So we're just looking at the top three teams on each side and seeing where that's going to wind up going. But yeah, I would say the, the first round match between the, the second place team and whoever they wind up picking, which would probably be the third place team in the West is going to be the, the real playoff match to watch. Everything else seems to be pretty much already set as to how it's going to go. Yeah, and I think on on the on the playoff idea, I think the reason they probably won't do that is just because of you know travel and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, so I think that would be the reason why that wouldn't happen, especially in the American Association where the league covers just so much territory. Uh, so I, I so and also I don't know how much it would actually uh i don't know how much of the problem it would actually solve uh just because uh you know i mean so you could have perhaps a team like like sioux city into the playoffs over cleburne and i mean honestly does it really matter i'll so, admit it is a lateral move it really doesn't move the needle either way yeah yeah so uh but you know, I mean, I think the real answer is cutting down the number of teams in the playoffs, but, you know, uh, that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, but I, I'd, I'd agree that at the at the end of the day, it's it's pretty much that um, that matchup, that, that kind of 2-3 matchup you would assume, because I, even though it is pick your opponent, I mean, you would think the, uh, the job is pretty easy for, yeah. for both divisions, for Chicago and whatever team comes out of the West that... Um, they would not pick the three, the three seed over the four because there is such a wide gap. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's pretty much, it's going to be one V four, two V three because of that gap, like you said. So I agree with that. There's not really too much else, I think, going on here in the American Association. Uh, there's certainly, I think, a lot more interest in the Atlantic League for probably the first time, uh, this past week, just because we have a lot more going on, uh, over there. So I'm going to go ahead and just quickly jump over there before we wrap up for the week here because you know we're recording this on saturday morning so we got to kind of get it out real quickly here but that's just more or less due to the fact that i was on vacation for the past week and not able to record so uh going to the atlantic league we actually have had some movement uh gastonia is still by far the best team this half and probably overall they had a no hitter this week complete game uh combined no hitter for them but they're 17 and four. Last time we talked, they didn't have a loss yet. We kind of jinxed them on that, but even still, uh, playing baseball at, uh, over 800 winning percentage will certainly keep you around for a long time. Uh, the South Division really doesn't have another challenger, I'd say. High point. I hate to call them dead in the water because there is all of August and all of September left for them to turn it around. They still very well could, but nine games under 500. And 11 games out of a spot 
is kind of tough to make up, especially when you have three other teams in front of you that you need to get to before you can challenge for that top dog spot. Uh, so they're essentially out of it, and then everybody else is within a game of each other in the middle, and none of them really do a lot to move the needle between Lexington, Charleston, and Kentucky Wild Health. Uh, so I just, the South is what it is. Good for Gastonia. The no-hitter really, I think, marks a huge turnaround for that whole franchise. It's kind of funny how far they've come in a year, and it speaks volumes to the people running uh, that team now. Uh, on the flip side, in the North, it's a lot more interesting. Long Island's continuing to just kind of circle the drain. They just don't really have it this year, which is a very weird thing to say. Uh, then you have York, that's only three and a half out. You have Staten Island's only two and a half out. And then you have Southern Maryland and Lancaster just duking it out among the top of the division. It doesn't help that Lancaster has just had terrible luck playing uh, the Bluecrafts this year so far. Because uh, I, I, I think uh, when, when you talk about the Blue Crabs and the Barnstormers, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think the Barnstormers have won once. I know they lost their first 11 in a row. I think they lost number 12 to, I don't know for certain. I'd have to just check that real quick. But yeah, it's they lost at least 11 in a row against them this year. I mean, that's that that's a insane number. Uh, and, you know, the funny part is, and because of the... You know, because of the Atlantic League playoff system, just to, on a Ducks point really quick, because, I mean, let, let's let's call it what it is. Gastonia is going to run away with the South uh, for the second straight half. So you go to the wild card, Long Island, as poorly as they have played, yeah. they are one and a half games out of the playoff spot. So, I mean, and I know they've played really poorly, but... They're still one and a half out of a playoff spot. High Point and Wild Health are tied for that last spot uh, right now. So that, that'll that be something to watch, uh, especially as that South Division is kind of, uh, as the battle kind of shifts to the wild card, really, with Gastonia inevitably going to win both halves. But, I mean, the North Division has kind of been chaos, and uh, yeah. especially with the Barnstormers and the Blue Crabs. And, and in Staten Island, a significantly improved team in the second half uh, as well. So I think, uh, but I, I think that all, all eyes are going to shift to that wild card race. And one that even though long Island might be pretty much out of the North division, second half uh, crown, they could win none of the halves and still find the, find their way into the playoffs somehow because they're only a game and a half out of the wild. card. God, do I hate the Atlantic leagues playoff system? I, I honestly God hate it so much. It it may be like at least the pick your opponent thing in the American Association. It's different. It's new. It may be a bit odd, and also it's got its flaws because it's not that big of a league. The Frontier League would probably be better for that because I mean you got more teams, so it's a little bit better of a look. But whatever, it, it has its flaws. But it's new. It's different. It's unique. And by and large, we're still kind of keeping the best teams in their divisions in even though we are getting sub 500 teams in so it's it's kind of hard there but there is the possibility there over here what are we doing you know like what are we doing with this playoff system where it's like okay we're going to go with half champions and we're going to do a playoff for the uh for the wild card for that last spot if we have a repeat champion but instead of just doing like divisional half records it's going to be overall record because we can fairly judge it. If, if we have to use the overall record, 
for the wild card, then why aren't we using the overall record for the second half champions? Like, like, what are we doing with that? Like, I understand, like, with a wild card, if you went, well, you know, it's not exactly fair to just use the second half record or just the first half record to determine a wild card. I could get that kind of thinking. Yeah, it's not exactly fair, but then how is it fair on the flip side to go, well, you won the first half, everything gets wiped away in the second half, now clean slate. Because, like, we're only counting the first half for certain things and not everything. Like, it, either it should be for everything it counts for or for nothing. You know, like, I don't see what the harm is in just continuing those records. Like, it makes no sense to me. Like, this is honestly part of the reason I'm really rooting for Stan Island to find a way, jump up, take this division, and let Lancaster get a wild card somehow. I want those two, because at least then it, it feels better to me. I don't know why it does. It just feels more right. I, this playoff well, system sucks so bad. I mean, how does it feel more right when Staten Island is currently 29 and 58? And, uh, because at least then we're keeping with this whole, like, they won the second half thing, and then I want Lancaster to get that wild card by jumping ahead of everybody else. It just feels, like, so crappy to me to have three teams that have been playing very bad baseball as of recent to be the top three teams, and realistically, the only three teams with potentially Lancaster, because they've jumped up out of nowhere, to have a shot at a wild card. Like... It just doesn't feel right to me that you can have a team that now in the second half has gone seven and fifteen or six and fifteen and still make the postseason. Like if yeah. we're gonna just throw away the first half as second the second the second half starts, then that's fine. Then don't count it for the wild card, come up with something else. Or if because we have a wild card we need the first half stats to carry over for that then just carry the first half stats over to the second half. So that way, high points still looking at whatever the record would be overall. What would it be? Uh, 45 and 42. Then have them be 45 and 42 overall. And then whoever wins the second half wins the second half. You know, like if we have a repeat grape, then we have more wild card spots. I don't see what the harm here is in just continuing the, the stats from one half to another. Why does it have the white wipe clean because we have a new half we could still name half champions each time around right i think i think the the part that's that's annoying about it is that the the goalposts kind of move yeah and really know you, you just struggle to find what the purpose of it is so if you're if the purpose is all right well it's indie ball and uh and teams change and rosters change and we're trying to keep fans engaged like we're trying to keep the fairy hawks fans uh engaged the fans and the players engaged because hey you know what we're, we might be nearly 30 games under 500 overall despite all that if that's what you're looking for all right the only this the entire record matters for wild card, the wild card purposes. Yeah, it, to that's that's really the, the the issue with it is that it just counts for one thing and not for everything, and it just there would be such a better way of doing it by just continuing everything over or just coming up with a better playoff system as a whole. I understand keeping fan bases engaged, but there's at a certain point it's like, well, who's coming to see the team make postseasons and make playoffs? And who's just coming for a night out? And like we've discussed this in the past where it's like it's more or less the night out crowd is your main market. So uh, 
if that's what you're shooting for, then we don't need to worry about keeping the fan bases engaged as much as, you know, keeping the more integrity of the fact that we are an organized professional baseball league that's attempting to get players back to affiliated systems. And I just feel like we should be prioritizing that for the actual gameplay, save for exceptions that will affect the marketability and the business aspect of it. So that said, uh, only thing else that I really want to toss on to this episode before we get out of here and I can edit and upload it, uh, would be just that we have that tight race at the top, and either we're going to wind up with two wildcard spots, or we're going to wind up with a uh, with a Lancaster playoff versus uh, Southern Maryland, and Gastonia could uh, wind up playing someone else. We don't know who exactly, but I don't see them dropping off anytime soon. Yeah, I, I think Gastonia is very comfortable uh, in there. I think it's just a matter of if, will we have one or two wild cards? And if we have two wild cards, I mean, prepare for a Nick Firestone rent for the ages in a couple of weeks. If High Point and Long Island both make it, or God forbid, <laughs> if Long Island and Wild Health both make it, High Point doesn't get in, I'm going to be so livid. Absolutely livid. Because of the fact that Long Island played garbage baseball for about two-thirds of the year, at least to this point. No disrespect to the team, of course, but at, by team, I mean organization. The, the players have not done their job by and large. I mean, hell, you go 7-15, and 15, and then, I mean, the first half got a little bit better as we went on, but for a while there, it was not looking great. You play like that for a while, and then you have, on the flip side, team playing 600 baseball that's going to miss out. It, it's not... I, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be fun at all. At least with High Point, they made it in. I go, well, they were very, very, very good in the first half. And they just wound up losing out. But towards the end, they lost some steam. And that was all that she wrote there. I can at least come to terms with High Point getting a wild card. That's fine. But Wild Health, who was, what, 34 and 31, of basically a 500 team. And now is playing more 500 baseball, getting in over a team that... May not have been good in the first half, but then came around the second. Like uh, that, uh, I'll I'll leave it off there. But yeah, won't be great. Can't wait. Yeah, no one can. Uh, so with that, uh, after battling uh, technical issues and now having to go and uh, get this thing straightened out and taken care of, uh, I think we are kind of at the end of the line this week. We'll go to the plugs and then we'll get out of here after that. Uh, if you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can do so on Instagram at AOPB underscore news and at IndieBallReport. You can find all the episodes, show notes that go along with it and everything IndieBallReport on the website IndieBallReport.com. And you can find the show wherever you find podcasts. Tune in, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Podomatic, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you find podcasts. You can find the show if you're able to like rate review and subscribe uh for more content um do we have anything else left to add this week only thing i have that is left to add is the red Sox have been colossally disappointing and i'm ready for them to sell this week well no what if they buy Juan soto yeah i don't think that's happening but what if they were to but they they would have to pay him and they're they're putting up a whole stink about paying rafael devers so i can't see that happening Okay, and if they turn around and, like, I don't know, pay Aaron Judge in the offseason, just buy him straight from the Yankees, thoughts on that would be? Then, uh, then all is forgiven. Okay, good. Because if I remember right, there was a picture that went around a couple of years back of him in a Red Sox shirt, 
And Yankee fans didn't like that, but I liked it, so I thought it was nice. I, it would be hilarious, wouldn't it? It would. It really would. It'd be like an inverse. Normally, it's the other way around. Yankees stealing Red yeah. Sox players, but it'd be nice to change that. That would be. I that would be incredible. I I would love that. Judge is an incredible player. Yes, he is, but he's a Yankee, so you can't give him too much credit. Regardless of that, uh, only thing I have left to add this week is really nothing. I, I the last few weeks, when we get to the end, I've just kind of been done. Now, normally that's because we're recording at night and I'm just kind of tired, but today it's just I, I genuinely don't have anything else left to add except for I, I guess thanks for dealing with the later upload and some of the technical glitches that may be in here. I hope I did a good job editing it. I don't know until I have edited it if I have or not, but uh, yeah, I guess thanks for that. And yeah, until next time, don't forget to uh, play ball.